This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. It's good to see you here today. God bless all of you. All you regulars, I'm blessed to see you here again today. If you're a visitor, we're honored to have you. You watching on live stream, we welcome you again today too. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up really, really high. And our great ushers would gladly get you the Word of God. Once you get a Bible, go with me to Exodus 15. We'll go to Exodus 15, and then we'll go to our main scripture text, which is uh, Psalm 103. Exodus 15 is where you're going. It's going to be a good day today. Good day today. Um, Just reasons I say that is there's, there's been a lot of prayer going on this week for some things that take place in here. And I believe the miraculous is always birthed by prayer. And even on those lines, I I welcome you to come pray as a church family on Tuesday nights. God is doing something spectacular. And what's so significant about that is something happens when we pray for other people. So a lot of prayer been going on. So again, welcome, welcome. We are in our series here, week three, on the benefits, the blessings. So as you're getting to Exodus 15, let me paraphrase a little bit what's going on here. The Israelites have been in bondage in Egypt for over 400 years. Now, you may think, well, 400 years isn't a long time. Well, the United States isn't even 250 years old. We're getting close. So again, 400 years was a long time to live under spiritual bondage. And so God raises up a man named Moses, and he leads them out. And we know the story in Exodus 15 that they see a miracle, that the Red Sea splits. And then they see another miracle. The Pharaoh and the Egyptian army comes in after them and the sea closes in on them. And they sing this song. We will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and the rider thrown into the sea. For the Lord liveth and blessed be the rock. And may the God of our salvation be exalted. So they are lit. They are lit. Thing is well in their life. Now we pick up chapter 15 verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders or performing miracles? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have fled forth the people from whom you've redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. So I mean at this point in their life, they are, they are so blessed. Don't ever forget your blessings, okay? Same chapter, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went there three days in the wilderness and they found no water. Three days. Three days since the Red Sea split. Three days since they sang about how glorious their God is. Verse 23. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore they named, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, 
Three days and they start complaining. Now, this may highlight your life right now, and it's good for you to re recognize this, but is your life defined by complaining? Again, I think it's just another area that we get away from saying, man, Father God, I, I thank you for everything you've done for me. But instead, they begin to complain, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? So Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, now to help you understand that, he didn't cast the whole tree. He didn't pick it up and throw it in there. It literally means he took a piece of wood from the tree. Now the reason I'm highlighting this, because I want you to remember this thought, the tree, because it's going to come back to play big time here later on. So he goes on to say, the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Another miracle. How many have ever thrown a piece of wood into the water and it started tasting good? I've never done that. That's a miracle. Then he made a statute, an ordinance, and regulation for them. And there he tested them. And the Lord said... If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, that you would give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, the very first covenant that he gives them when they come out of the Red Sea, he says, I am the Lord or the God that heals you. The Hebrew is Yahweh Rafka, better stated, is Jehovah Rapha, one of his seven covenant names. Now, it's interesting right here that the very first thing he does is he establishes, I'm the God who heals. I'm the God who des desires to heal. Turn with me to, to Psalm 103. Our main scripture text here. Now, we've been on this, like I said, here three weeks. We're going to be on it quite a while. Each week, it just seems to get a little farther and a little farther. And as you're turning there, my, my goal here today is for the scripture to come alive within you. My goal through the word of God is that the scriptures challenge you. That they cause something on the inside to stir within you, okay? Psalms 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, King David here is saying, man, how grateful he is for how God's blessed him. But I believe, too, it's a reminder to me and you, don't forget his benefits. Don't forget his promises. Verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Now it's interesting in this verse right here. He heals all your iniquities and he heals all your diseases. So when we talk about the God who forgives my iniquities, sin has an impact on every one of us that affects our heart. It changes us on the inside. So the very first thing he says is the God who forgives your iniquities. So God's number one concern is 
your spiritual health. God wants to do something on our hearts. But he doesn't stop there. The God who heals all our diseases. So he's not only the God who's concerned about you innerly, he's concerned about us outwardly. He wants to heal us. Now, when I say he's the God who, who forgives iniquities and heals disease, is one harder for God to do than the other? I don't believe so. The problem isn't, is it difficult for God to do that? The problem is, are you able to believe? Now, every one of us in here, I, I would think, would agree on this. Our God still forgives sin. He still forgives iniquities, transgressions. Thank you, Father God. The problem is the God who heals all our diseases. Many times in our Bibles or our minds, we put a slash through that. We act like God doesn't do that anymore. And so when I read Psalms 103, this is God's will in the matter. This is God's will. I'm the God who forgives all your iniquities, and I'm the God that heals all your disease. I must know God's will in the matter. And people will say often, well, that's Old Testament. Yeah, so is the God who forgives all your iniquities. That's Old Testament. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. And what I begin to see take place in the Bible is this pattern that you see over and over. He forgives sin and he heals disease. He forgives sin and he heals disease. You're going to see this over and over. It's almost like it goes together. Now we saw that already in Psalms 103.3. We pick up in Isaiah 53 Verse number four. Now, this is a messianic prophecy that Isaiah the prophet spoke out. And he said, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The words born and carried, these are verbs which literally mean to take upon oneself or to carry as a burden. Now, let me read it again. Surely he has borne our griefs, sickness, and he has carried our sorrows, our pains. The reference here to grief and, Greek, uh, grief and sorrows is reference to sickness both spiritually and physically. Keep reading. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now, these are words that describe Jesus, the servant, suffering, which all was a part of God's providential plan. It was his plan for redemption. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, sins. And he was bruised for our iniquities, sins. Transgressions and iniquities is literally wickedness and rebellion. 
Now, the first thing he mentions in verse 5, he forgives us of our sins, transgressions, and iniquities. Do you see that? Yes, we see that. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. The only way we could obtain peace and well-being was through Jesus. Now, in verse 4 and verse 5, I'm going to help all you English teachers. There's a little pronoun in there called our, O-U-R. Review again real quick. He bore our griefs, our sorrows, our transgressions, our iniquities, our peace. And so the pronoun here is emphatic. He suffered not for himself, but for mankind. Jesus didn't need to do anything for himself. He had it together. He picked up all the pieces. And he put us back together. You know what I found out about us? We're all just a bunch of broken pieces. Every one of us. So again, he took care of our sin problem, but look how verse 5 ends. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. So you begin to see right here in this messianic prophecy the inner man and the outer man. Again, his concern was us that we would have our sins forgiven and that we would be healed. But again, many will say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, to help resolve that a little bit, go with me in the New Testament to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And as you're turning there, there's several references that cross-reference on that. You may say, where is 1 Peter uh, Hebrews, James, and then the Peter. You're going to 1 Peter chapter 2. A great reference or cross-reference of that is Matthew 8, 17. If you're a good note-taker and you like to dig, Isaiah 53, 4, and 5 will go to Matthew 8, 17, and then it'll go to 1 Peter 2, 24. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Who himself bore our sins or carried our sins in his own body. Jesus bore our sins and he carried our sins in his own body. So the sins of mankind were all put upon him. Where at? On the tree. Now I told you a few minutes ago in Exodus 15, 25, remember that phrase, the tree. The tree was symbolic of the cross. That's what that stood for. So if I go back into Exodus 15, everything back then, it all pointed to Jesus. Everything now all points to Jesus. So when Jesus hung on that tree, when he hung on that cross, it had your sins. It had my sins upon it. Goes on to say here, that we having died to sin, do you know we can die to sin through Jesus? That we might live for righteousness. That we might live for what is right. Just a little insight on this. 
The only way your sin problem get taken care of is Jesus. That's it. The only way you're ever going to be righteous is through Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I've been justified. I am the righteousness of God through Christ. So we see right here, he forgives through Jesus and he declares us righteous through Jesus, but he didn't end there. Now look at the last part of verse 24. And by whose stripes... You were healed. Past tense. By Jesus' broken body, you were healed. Now the apostle Peter right here, he literally quotes Isaiah 53, 5. And when he talks about this healing, he's talking about a wholeness mentally, psychologically, physically, and even spiritual. And that takes place through a thing called conversion. When you give your heart to Jesus, when he becomes Lord of your life, he took care of your sin problem. He took care of your unrighteous problem. And he said, I'm going to take care of their healing problem. Over and over. I begin to see this pattern again and again and again. Now it's interesting, in Revelations chapter 1 verse 4, It says this about Father God. He is the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. He's the God of the past, he's God of the present, and he's the God of the future. Hebrews 13.8 says about the Lord Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the past, the God of the present, the God of the future. Why do you highlight that? Because who we think we are, that we we can change the covenant name. Who has authorized us to change the covenant name of Jehovah Rapha? He's the same today as he was yesterday. He hasn't changed at all. I believe the problem with all of this is the church has failed to preach what Jesus died for us to have. We've got away from it. Now what I want you to do is go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to be in Matthew, two different passages the rest of this morning. And I want you to see some things biblically here. And when I say that, I ask you to open your heart up to the Bible, okay? Because I hear people all the time say, God doesn't do that anymore. Since when? Just because my experiences don't look like the Bible doesn't mean the word isn't true. Let me ask this question. How many of you have ever seen somebody healed by the power of God? A bunch of us. How many of you have ever seen the miracle power of God at work, whether in your life or somebody else's life? This is the house of miracles. I want to paint a picture here through the Word of God. Matthew 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, 
and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. What did Jesus do? He went around teaching and preaching and healing the sick. If you'll notice who he healed in there, it said, all the people. Among the people. Among the people. Anybody that would get a hold of the word of God. Verse 24. Then his fame went throughout Syria. The first was in Galilee, now he's in Syria. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases, torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And he healed them. So I see this again with, with the Lord Jesus. His heart for mankind over and over. Turn a couple pages to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And I believe this passage of scripture right here will come alive to you here. Matthew 9 verse number 1. So Jesus got into a boat, crossed over and came to his own city. Many believe this was Capernaum. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith. Now I want to highlight something here in the word of God. And I, I believe this will come alive to you when you see this, this little word here. To start in verse 2, it said, Then behold, they brought to him. And then Jesus saw their faith. So I begin to look at it and I think, Who was they? Who was their faith that he saw? I don't know if these were friends of this guy. I don't know if these were just believers who said, we got to get this paralyzed guy around Jesus. But when I began to read this, I thought, these are the type of friends I want to be around. And I highlight the word they here, the effectiveness of faith on the behalf of others. Now, the reason I highlight that, the effectiveness of your faith on behalf of others. It says, they brought him and their faith. So I don't know much about the paralyzed man, but I do know this. He's around some people that got some faith. He's around some people that say, Jesus is still the healer. There's a man, he's still alive. He's getting a little older now. Uh, you can probably go online and see some of his, servants, or some of his sermons. His name's David Hogan. He lives in the mountains of Mexico. And I'm telling you, this guy is bold with the things of Jesus. I mean, bold. And so he's having a meeting one night. And these ladies come down. And he said, do you want me to lay hands on you for you to be healed? And they said, no, we don't believe in that. We just came to check things out. And he said, that's all right. You can check them out all you want. He said, I got enough faith for all of us. Now, he didn't say that arrogantly. He said that boldly because he understood kind of like Elijah and Elisha. We serve a big God and I know who God is. And so this paralyzed guy, I don't know if he knows what's fixing to happen, but he's running with the right type of people. People, when the going gets tough, you know what they say? 
Let's call on the name of Jesus. Back to verse 2. Just a little side thought. So Jesus said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. There's an interesting word in there. He addresses him as son. You know, the only way you become a son or a daughter is you've got to get born on this earth. And the only way you become a son or daughter in heaven is through the new birth. He's a son. What do you do to become a son? It's a lot of years ago, but Ernest was born here in this earth. And when he came into this earth, he was a son. His name became Ernest Garcia. How did he get that name? He was just born here. This guy gets born again. And when you get born again, you become a son or a daughter. But a lot of people would say, well, I I don't deserve that. Well, none of us deserve it. Thank God he saves us. And so he says, son, be a good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Well, I celebrate that. Man, when you've been forgiven a lot, the Bible says, he who's been forgiven much, he's grateful for much. I'm, I'm grateful that I've been forgiven. It's a good cheer. Thank God I'm forgiven. So the first thing Jesus addresses is the guy's spiritual state. He forgave him his sin. Verse 3. And at once some of the scribes, the religious folk, they said within themselves, this man blasphemies. They thought within themselves. And their thought was, who does he think he is claiming to be God? Who does he think he is that he can apply the characteristics of God? Well, what they didn't understand was he was the son of God. And he was the expression of the father's will right here on earth. Verse 4. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he read their mail, and he said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Instead of celebrating this man whose sins are forgiven, they get mad. He he shouldn't be saved. He's such a bad person. He, He should have to go to church and he should have to do a thousand Hail Marys. And he should have. They're mad because he got born again. They're mad because he was forgiven. I hope you're not that way. We ought to celebrate every time someone gives their heart to Jesus. I mean, what? Yes. You know why? We're all a bunch of broken pieces. Why do you think evil in your hearts? Verse 5. For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or say, arise and walk? So Jesus right here is giving them a little view of his heart, and he said, 
which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you. The thing about when your sins are forgiven you, the very moment my sins are forgiven for me, there's no proof outwardly that anything happened. What do I mean? When I, when I ask God to forgive me of my sins and I get born again, there's no immediate outward transformation. I don't lose weight. Now, you may see an outward manifestation down the line when people quit sinning and they look and say, you don't do the things you used to do. But immediately, there's no outward manifestation. But he said, which is easier to stay? Forgiven or arise and walk? Which is easier? Keep reading. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins... Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Which is easier to say? Which is easier to do? Your sins are forgiven? Or rise up and walk? Verse 7, and he arose and he departed to his house. So right here we see biblically that Jesus wasn't only concerned about his inner man, he was concerned about his outer man. And he healed and he set him free. Verse 8. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled. I bet. Holy guacamole. That's not in the Greek, okay? They marveled. They marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. And as I read this here, God's desire has always been to save, but God's desire has always been to heal. And when you look at this here again, not only innerly, but outerly. I'm the God who forgives all your iniquities and I'm the God who heals all your diseases. And it's all in the name of Jesus. And I think in Mark 16, the Lord Jesus said to us, he said, the great commission, you're called to preach the gospel to who? Every creature. And then he said, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And people will say, well, God doesn't do that anymore. I can't find this in the Bible. He doesn't do it anymore. So what's happened? We've quit emphasizing what God's desired to do. And sometimes we act like, well, if people don't get healed, it's my fault. It's not my fault. I can't save anybody and I can't heal anybody. So guess what God says? You're an earthen vessel. You're a jar of clay. You're the conduit for me to work through right here on earth. And if I can use anything, I want to use you. He's just looking for people that'll say, all right, Father God, we're going to let you do what you were called to do. And many times we sing the song, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. How many of you have ever said that? 
Well, I said he's a miracle worker, but I sure don't believe it. Why not? Why not? I'm watching this program the other day. It's a story about these two Iraqi boys. And their dad abandoned them completely. Nothing. Teenage boys. And after four days without going with food, they begin to call out to God. And there was a prayer in them that said, if there really is a true God in heaven, we call out to you today to manifest. And God showed up. And God did a miraculous because two Iraqi boys called on the name of the Lord. What would happen if we would begin to call upon the name of the Lord? And I get around ministers who go into third world countries and they'll say, you ought to go with us. The Bible will come alive. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they say, we preach the word and we watch the lame walk. We see the blind see. We see the deaf hear. Come with us. And I'm always like, well, why does that happen there? And every one of them will say, because they have no other opportunities. But you know what my heart is? I don't want to go to a third world country and say, I believe God wants to do it here again. I believe he wants to do that here. Why don't you stand on your feet with me? Can I highlight something? I believe this is a house of salvation. I believe if you're here today and you don't know Jesus is Lord, He'll save you today. It's your choice. And I know it takes boldness and courage sometimes to walk down here, but if that's you today, you say, I don't know Jesus. I'm not in a covenant with him. I welcome you to come down today. All we're going to do is lead you through prayers and allow you to repent and watch Jesus come in and, and move on the inside of you. But this house is a house of healing. This is a house of healing. This is a house of miracles. First Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul said, desire spiritual gifts. And then in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he said, the gifts of healing and the working of miracles. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. I believe he's a God that heals. And I've had people say, he doesn't do that anymore. And I say, time out, time out. It's too late. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. And I believe he wants to move right here today. If you have pain, if you have sickness, disease in your body, we speak, 1 Peter 2, 24 of you, that by the stripes of Jesus, you've been made whole. 
If you're needing healing in your body, I welcome you to come forward into the house of healing. And if you are in a need of a miracle, I welcome you to come. That our God said in Mark 16, he said, I'll confirm my word with signs following. I believe he still does that when we just come before him as a church and say, okay, Lord, do what you were sent to do. To save, to set free, and to heal. And so our team is getting ready to play, to sing, to move you into a place where you can receive If you're watching live stream, you stand right there and you receive this. But if that's you right here, I welcome you to come down. Go ahead, guys. Let's sing. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.